Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. However, wherever, whenever you're listening, this is the Root for Wisconsin show, episode 114, coming at you from the Minga True Value and Riverwood Gallery Studio in De Pere, Wisconsin. I'm host producer Eric Fisher, joining me via Skype this week, member of the Highway 22 crew, Sean Klosterman. Sean, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, how are you? Doing fantastic. Welcome back. It's it took a couple weeks off. Yep. Uh, or, well, really about a week. Um, scheduling was a nightmare last week. Holy cow. Yeah, so, it was one of those weeks last week. But here we are, back and better than ever. Some could say. I probably wouldn't, but some could. Regardless, though, we are back for episode 114 after a one-week hiatus. And a whole lot to talk about, so let's dive right into it. Before we do, got to talk about our friends over at Ray's Energy, RepSports.com, code root 4, R-O-O-T, number 4. 15% off any order at RepSports.com. Also, our friends over at RPW, RPW Envision 2, Sean, taking place Jan- or June 3rd at, oh, it's in, it's in Shyoptons. Wild, I want to say Wild Tomato, but I don't think that's right. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. It doesn't, but like it's something to that effect. Wild River Pizza Pub. <laughs> Yeah, wild tomato. That makes sense. I wasn't that far off. Uh, tickets are still available for both the event as well as the pre-show meet and greet. Uh, those are fifteen dollars at the door, or fifteen dollars in advance, twenty dollars at the door. Meet and greet from one thirty to three thirty, and then the show itself taking place uh, that night, uh, bell time four p.m. Only oh. four front row seats remaining for RPW Envision Two. It's the all women show. Um, some big names, if you're familiar with the RPW world coming through, including defending champion Heather Reckless, uh, will be defending her belt. So be sure to check that out. Also from AEW, Layla Gray stopping in to face off against Ari Alexander. Uh, that is acting as one of the bigger matches of that show as well. Um, as always, plenty of action taking place at RPW. Laney Luck also in attendance of that one. I'm just trying to go through some of these other posts that they have. As well as, just be sure to check out their YouTube page for all of their matches. They put them up weekly. Be sure to check them out. So, RPW Envision 2 at Wild River Pizza Pub in Shyocton. Start time, 4 o'clock. With that, Sean, we'd get right in the episode here. Talking about what we had rooted for over the last couple weeks. And we can kind of go from there. Um, that is brought to you by Fanatics, over 300 plus powered stores, and including show off your love for your team in the NBA and NHL playoffs with hashtag playoff fanatics or playoff fanatic, excuse me. Used to kind of having a double one there. Hashtag playoff fanatic. Show your love for your team if your team's still in it or didn't quite make the dance this year. Hashtag playoff fanatic. And Sean, you look a little perplexed, so do you want me to go first in this? Go first. I got to think of something. All right. My route for over the last couple weeks, honestly, I've just been enjoying baseball. And even though the Brewers haven't been playing their best ball of the season, they're still playing well enough where they are still leading the NL Central. Because every team in the NL Central has decided to not win right now either. Um, 
I mean, the Cardinals had won four straight as of last night before the Brewers put a stop to that. Uh, the Cardinals probably the hottest team in the division. Out of the last ten, they are seven and three. Brewers are six and four. Uh, both the second place Pirates, which is odd enough to say, aside from the first week of the season, um, they have been three and seven in their last ten. But deeper than that, Sean, they started the year twenty and eight, and are now twenty three and twenty. So hard times kind of falling back in Pittsburgh. Um, the Cubs three and seven in their last ten as well. Cincinnati five exactly at five and five in the last ten, and then St. Louis seven and three. St. Louis and Milwaukee facing off as we speak currently. Um, St. Louis currently leads that one to nothing in the top of the fourth, two out. Tyrone Taylor on second after a home run got overturned for not actually bouncing out on the fly. They ended up giving him ground rule double. So that's your quick Brewers update. We'll talk more baseball as we go through the show. But, yeah, just kind of enjoying baseball. I went turkey hunting over the weekend and uh, did not end up successful in that endeavor. But there was one by in my house tonight if you wanted to come shoot one. Well, my season's done as of yesterday, so. Wow. Seems like a personal problem. Should have said so. It is. I mean, it really, it really is a personal problem. No disagreement here, but um, so you living in the city. Kind of, but <laughs> kind of. all yeah. in all, uh, just a, a very nice. I mean, I had a blast getting out there for the two days this weekend and spending some time with the cousins and and whatnot. So, um, enjoying out outdoors in Wisconsin and. The only downside was that I don't I don't know how it is by your house, Sean, but it seems like mosquitoes spawned last week. Yeah, and pretty- uh, they were out like in cloud because you know how for our listeners, I didn't all of my turkey hunting was in Surrey, Wisconsin. If you have ever been to Surrey, Wisconsin, heard of Surrey, Wisconsin, known of Surrey, Wisconsin, it is mosquito heaven. And like I said, it was, I'm not even kidding when I say that there were like clouds of mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, uh, I did miss a turkey on Sunday. And while kind of waiting for my shot to arise, I was trying not to swap mosquitoes off my face. Sitting under like a tree stump that was uprooted. It was not a pleasant time to be Eric. So you were in a blind or anything? Um, for part of the so, for part of the day we were. We do sit in a blind, but the other part of the day, because of how Oconto County is awesome, for the reason, and a lot of Wisconsin has well, a lot of states have this, but Oconto County has a whole bunch of public land that you have access to go hunt on, and. For how weird it has been, of a you know, with how the weather has been this year, um, where it was literally snowing on May first, turkeys and other animals are a little bit behind in their kind of general spring habits, if you will. So even though we're at the end, of, you know, we're in the midst of spring, they're at a phase where they generally probably would be two, three weeks ago. So they weren't as active. So if they're not, they're, they weren't responding to calls. So you kind of have to go find them. So that's kind of the, the joy of having the public land to kind of 
drive around, stop every once in a while, call, take a walk, see if you can find some. They respond to calls, which only once happened all weekend. Mm-hmm. So that was that would be my route for is watching baseball and enjoying Wisconsin outdoors minus the mosquitoes. <laughs> what do you got for Sean? Uh, I gotta go Mother's Day or Mother's Week weekend Mother's Day weekend. Went to Algoma Saturday. Spent half the day with Carolyn's Carolyn's mom, and then went and seen her grandma the other half of the day. And then Sunday we took my mom out for lunch and went to the flea market and just had a pretty good weekend that way. Very nice. I also uh, spent the weekend obviously because I was at North Turkey hunting. Uh, spent it with my parents and my mom on Sunday afternoon. Um, so very nice. I would agree with you on that. Yeah, it was a good weekend. It was a really nice weather this weekend. So, so with the positives do come the negatives, Sean. And that leads us to our Tyler Hero Noogie of the Week. And honestly, I'm not sure I really have one this week. Um, it's in general, I think, been a pretty positive week. I felt like I had one going into last week, but I don't really remember what it was, so it couldn't have been that good. Mm. Uh, I'm trying to think if I have, if I can think of what it was. Why don't you go first and I'll maybe come back? I was going to go mosquitoes. So that was (laughs) Because, so I... I weed whipped last night after cut, getting getting the grass cut, and I ended up with having twelve or fifteen mosquito bites on my back that were huge. Yeah, sure. so it was bad. Can I add in uh, wood ticks to that too? Yeah, they're bad too. The amount of wood ticks I pulled off me this weekend was absurd. I have, I've generally, I don't think I've pulled off that many. In a weekend in a long time. Right. Um, I don't know if that was my only one from the week. I'm trying to see if I've saved anything on Facebook to talk about, but I don't think that I have. Yeah, I don't. It appears that I didn't. Um, yeah, so I really got nothing too fake. Well, actually, you know what? I was going to say this for a possible uh, weird web story, even though it's really not technically based in Wisconsin, but they appear in Wisconsin. Sean, do you know that the Wienermobile from Oscar Meyer has changed names? No, I did not know that. So, the Oscar Meyer, I'm assuming most people know about this, they have like their giant, like, hot dog car, and it is no longer the Wienermobile. They're changing it to the Frankmobile, in honor of the brand's 100% Beef Frank's new recipe. That's dumb. I agree. That is ridiculous. I I saw that, and I'm like, this is the dumbest what, thing what, I've what seen if, today. What if it's a woman? Hmm? What, what if it's a woman? It gotta be called Frank? I don't, I don't have an answer. I'm not touching that one first. <laughs> and second, I don't have a real good answer for you either. Well, I'm just saying. It's going to be the next thing that gets canceled. Um, but here's here's the second part of this, Sean. As part of this new program, 
anyone with the iteration of the name Frank could get a coupon for a free pack of beef franks. Oh, so you changed your name to Frank? It might be worth the investment. You change <laughs> your last name. Probably go with the last name. Why not your middle name? Good point. <laughs> Are you nickname? And then also, instead of calling... So the drivers used to be called hot doggers. They're now going to be called Frankfurters. And it's the first time that the vehicle has changed names since 1936. Which... I really want to know what it was called before 1936 because I didn't think they would have had an Oscar Mayer Wienermobile. Probably a wagon. The Wiener Wagon, probably that. Or th- that's, a, that's good thinking, Sean. You're always on your feet. No, no, Carolyn had a better one here, the Baloney Pony. That's not bad either. <laughs> so. Anyway, that is our Noogie of the Week, which leads us to our weird Wisconsin web story. And with that, uh, we're going to go to Milwaukee, Sean. And this coming from the Brewer Series last weekend, or last week, excuse me, prior to the Royals coming to town where the Brewers got the sweep, uh, the Brewers faced the Los Angeles Dodgers. And multiple-time All-Star Mookie Betts was among the Dodgers that were in Milwaukee. However, he did not stay with his teammates at the hotel. The Milwaukee Brewers guests generally stay at the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee, which allegedly is haunted. And so this article, I mean, there's a thousand articles on it, but the one that I feel like uh, talking about here, coming from SB Nation, and professional ball players can be superstitious at the best of times, but Mookie Betts went to a step further, choosing not to mess with spirits when the Dodgers embarked on their road trip to Milwaukee this week. Dodgers decided to stay, use the historic Fister Hotel in downtown Milwaukee as the team hotel for the stay, but Mookie Betts was not having any of it. The Fister was built in 1893, regarded as one of the most haunted hotels in the country. Betts doesn't necessarily believe in spirits, but he's not taking any chances. Quote, it was a good excuse not to stay there. You can tell me what happened after. I just don't want to find out myself. Instead, him and some of his friends from out of town opted to stay at an Airbnb and said he'll leave any possible ghost for his Dodger teammates to deal with. Um, this apparently coming after a long history of MLB players having run-ins with the paranormal at the Fister. Most notably, Adrian Beltre in 2001 when he was playing for the Dodgers. Former Dodgers said that he observed so many paranormal events when he stayed there that he slept with his bat in his bed. This included hearing footsteps in the hallway but finding nobody outside when he opened the door, as well as a pounding on the wall above his headboard. But Beltre wasn't adjacent to any room. Uh, former brewer Carlos Gomez, <clears throat> prior to his stint in Milwaukee when he has experienced similar paranormal events when he was playing with the Twins in 2008, so his iPod was turning it on and off by itself before vibrating so hard that it fell on the floor while he was asleep. So that is among a few that happened in Milwaukee. 
Um, this also coming around the same kind of method of thinking that former, I'm not going to talk about that one. That one, that one, I didn't read the whole thing. Uh, <laughs> Ron Artest had a, an unusual experience, allegedly, with a ghost while he was in Oklahoma City. But, um, of course, it was Ron Artest. Yeah. So, the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee, which does have, again, it's it's known for being allegedly haunted. Mookie Butts not taking any chances. Hmm. Interesting. I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to find out how he actually did in that series to see if it was worth the while. If it affected him or, or not. The Brewers, uh, the Dodgers did win two out of three games in that series. So in that capacity, it probably was worth it for the team. Uh, Mookie Betts, trying to see what he did. 0 for 4 in game 2 or game 3. Game 1 or game 2, he was 1 for 4. And in the 9 to 3 loss, he was 1 for 4. So 2 for 12. I think he should have stayed at the hotel. Right. All right. What I, that's what I would recommend at this point. But... <laughs> Oh well, I fun story. I thought, I thought only I, I, only at the Fister. I figured you were gonna go Green Bay being the number one city to live in in all the U.S. That is an interesting one. Um, that's a very good one. We can discuss that as well. Let's go Brewers. Uh, just real quick, Sean. Brewers got out of a bases loaded no out jam without allowing a run in the bottom of the fourth. Nice. So. That was cool. Um, yes, that's, that story also came out this week. That's an excellent one to talk about. I'm just going to get that pulled up here as well. Um, this coming from cbsnews.com. The best place to live in the U.S. Earn the top spot of or on the U.S. News and World Reports list for number one. Good weather, or For a number of reasons, good weather is not one of them. Green Bay, Wisconsin jumped two spots to become the best city to live in in 2023, according to public, the publication's annual ranking. With the public, with a population, Jesus Christ. Words are hard. With a population of 107,000, Green Bay gets especially high marks for the bang people get for their buck and overall quality of life, the two most heavily weighed criteria in the, determining their rankings. Quote, in the weather category, it does not perform well. It has harsh winters, but it's considered very affordable, and its quality of life performs well. U.S. News real estate editor Devin Thors- Thorsby told CBS Money Watch. Um, the median cost of a home in Green Bay is $247,092, which might help thaw any discomfort residents feel about the city's tough winters. Temperatures in Green Bay, Wisconsin's third largest or er, temperatures in Green Bay, Wisconsin's third largest city after Madison, Milwaukee, averaged 24 degrees in January with more than a foot of snow in that month alone. With high inflation continuing to strain household budgets, how far Americans' dollars will stretch in a given locale is increasingly important. The value component is one of many things people are staring, starting to put more emphasis on when considering moving to a new part of the country. In assessing the money value cities offer, U.S. News examined factors such as housing affordability, price parity, which reflects on an area's 
general cost of goods. For the most part, Green Bay has been able to maintain a very low cost of living. Probably the fact that the weather may deter some people keeps it from being a super fast-growing metro area. Um, Huntsville, Alabama ranked number two on the year, this year's list, which was number one last year, and ranked what was this in the in the top 150 most populous metro areas based on their scores, including quality of life, value, desirability, job market. Um, also factored in to the quality of life index data, including high school students, college readiness, quality of education, proximity to quality healthcare crime rates and air quality so green bay doing very well um only wisconsin city really the only uh midwest city in the top 10. your top 10 goes green bay huntsville alabama raleigh and durham north carolina boulder colorado sarasota florida naples florida portland uh, maine charlotte north carolina colorado springs colorado and fayetteville arkansas North Carolina got a lot of them up there. And Florida. Yeah, well, makes sense. I don't know, there's hurricanes there and a lot of stuff that can kill you. There's a lot of stuff that can kill you up here. Not as many in Florida. We don't have alligators or crocodiles. We have bears. Yeah, but bears are generally pretty nice if you don't mess with them and they're not with cubs. We do have wolves. You are correct in that. And cougars, not the old ladies, the animal. I was trying to think of a way to. <laughs> I'm glad you said it, not me, but yeah. I seen your face, so I had to say it. Appreciate you. So that is our Wisconsin web weird web stories of the week. I need to come up with a better title for that, or a more consistent title. Yeah. You better get that's, out, man. That's a later problem, though. Anyway, so with that, Sean, we don't have a draft this week. We do not have trivia, as it's just you and me this week. So that leads us into the sports world. And let's start down south. And we'll make our way up north like we usually have been. Um, no real news on the Bucks coaching front. They're interviewing a bunch of people. It seems like you and I might be the only two people that haven't interviewed for the job. Um, to this to this date, I believe, among the numerous people that have interviewed for it, um, Nick Nurse, who I think was kind of everyone's betting favorite, Monty Williams, I believe, is going to get a look now that he's gotten relieved of duty. Um, trying to think who else has gotten. Uh, Calvin Sampson, the coach of the Houston Cougars. Mm-hmm. For the college game, I uh, was among those interviewed today. Um, there's been a whole bunch of assistants trying to find who has all been on this list. I kind of uh, like the the Monty Williams. You like Monty Williams as a candidate? Yeah, I think so. That's what that's what my pick's gonna be. Um, also has interviewed Mark Jackson, former Golden State Warriors coach. That I don't like at all. Um, former or Heat assistant Chris Quinn. Uh, Wizards assistant Joseph Blair. Then 
There is also reportedly a growing interest between the Bucks and Ty Lue. Yeah, I don't. Let's stick with the first two guys, either Nick Nurse or Monty Williams. I would have to largely agree with you. Um, I think the worst candidate that I saw was Mark Jackson. I did not give that one bit. Yeah, that one doesn't make any sense because he hasn't yeah, coached in years. Uh, what was it 2015? I think was the first year that he got, or after the 2014 season. So the 2015, because I think it was when Golden State got bounced in the conference finals. I think for the Spurs, and then they went on to hire Steve Kerr and go win the 2015 championship. I believe was the general timing of that. Yeah. So, plenty of people interviewing for that Bucks job. Probably the most sought-after job in the NBA. I'd say so. Um, also, apparently, Frank Vogel expected an interview for that job, former Lakers coach. No, one they don't like either. No, I'm not a huge fan. Um, trying to see. Maybe, Pivot- maybe Pivotal, but I think he's coaching somewhere, isn't he? He is coaching, I believe, for the Knicks yet. Is it the Knicks or is it Timberwolves? It is the Knicks. It's the Knicks. Tom Thibodeau, coach of the New York Knicks. He coached for the he coached for the Timberwolves before going to the Knicks. Yep, that's what it was. Did I see something too that Steve Kerr might be be done in Golden State too? Um, I believe there are some rumors on that. Because that would be a <laughs> that good one to get to, but I don't. He'd he'd ever leave. He'd probably just. I feel like he's more of like just retiring from coaching as a whole. Right, that's what I was thinking. Uh, speaking of coaching, um, and possibly being done coaching as a whole, Craig Council to this point has not signed a new contract as Brewers manager. His contract would be up at the end of the season. There's kind of a growing belief that he may step away from managing for some time after this season because his kids are growing up and whole thing. Um, I think we've talked about this before, but I kind of want to gauge where you're at. Sean Brewers are currently 24 and 18 leading the NL Central. You know, they've had plenty of injuries this season where Brandon Woodruff expected to miss a longer amount of time than initially thought. Um, Garrett Mitchell's up for the year among, you know, those are just two of the main guys. Corbin Burns really hasn't been Corbin Burns a whole lot this year. <coughs> so with that in mind, um, I know that the Brewers missed the playoffs last year. As of right now, again, they do hold that top spot in the NL Central by, I believe, two games or a game and a half over Pittsburgh. So... With that said, do you think there should be an urgency to bring back Council longer if he wants to continue? Do you think they've gotten all they can out of Council? Where do you stand? I feel like they've gotten everything that they kind of... Well, they've gotten that and more from Council. And I feel like a fresh just a fresh face in there would probably be benefit some of these guys. Cause a lot of the guys are younger and I just feel like 
if if he doesn't how do I want to put this championship or he should be out kind of thing he's had enough chances he's had enough and I mean if he's already talking about his kids getting older everything that way I think it might just be time because he's been there how many years already um he was hired as interim manager the 2015 season after the 2014 season where they collapsed down the stretch yeah they had that awful start to 2015 Ron Renicky got axed and has become the Brewers' all-time winningest manager, both percentage-wise, total wins. All the metrics indicate that he's, you know, towards the top. Um, on paper, again, the best manager they've had to date in their 52 years of a franchise. Right. Um, so no no short of accomplishments on his end. No. Um, they're kind of in a weird spot where they are as an organization where they're not necessarily always going to be in a position to contend. Like, I mean, this, this stretch of four straight playoff appearances from 18, 19, 20, or actually, uh, yeah, 18, 19, 20, 21, um, missing out in 22, but four straight, of those, they had five straight or six straight winning seasons from 17, including 2022. So it really has been a kind of a, not necessarily a golden era of Brewers baseball, but I guess you could probably say a golden era of Brewers baseball aside from the 82 season. Right. Um, which, given the Brewers' status, you know, I was talking about this the other, you know, we talked about the Packers with the Aaron Rodgers trade. Um, Aaron Rodgers was the last remaining player, him and Mason Crosby technically both leaving after this past season as of right now. But they were the only two tenured Brewers or Packers from the 2010 Super Bowl, which you kind of get, you know, football is a game of constant turnover like that. But when you think about this from this angle, though, the Brewers only have three players, or four players, excuse me, who, or, well, actually, technically, it's five now, um, who play on the 2018 NLCS team. That's only five years. You've got Peralta, Burns, Woodruff, Yelich, and Wade Miley's back. Yeah. Which... First of all, you don't usually see that much turnover from a playoff team in a five-year span. But to consistently make the playoffs four of those five years is nothing short of incredible. Um, I, I do agree. I, I don't know if the message is getting stale or, you know, if there's just... I would say Craig Council gets the most out of his talent. You know, it's not like they're spending big bucks. We know the financial hardship, if you can call it that, that the Brewers have um, with re-signing and maintaining contracts and some of these bigger name players. Uh, last season was the Josh Hader trade. This season could be the Corbin Burns trade yet. You know, we don't really know where that's going to go. Um, and really, kind of the state of baseball in Milwaukee, we don't really know as potentially a lease could be up within the next couple of years and could be shopped around. I don't think that we'll ever get to that point. 
I no, think, you don't think so? No, I think I think we know on paper that Milwaukee's going to stick around. We saw what they did with the Bucks, and the Bucks were losers. I mean, that's right. that's what they were. <laughs> so, we're in not that gonna, capacity, so. I don't first. I don't see a you know the Brewers are top ten in attendance every year for being the smallest market team. Um, now, obviously, what happens with the the A's in Las Vegas that could technically change. With Vegas, they would actually be Vegas would be the smallest market in pro sports. Uh, well, in pro baseball anyway. Um, well, Green Bay still has that distinction for the Packers, but um, Vegas would be the smallest market in Major League Baseball. Um, so it would be interesting to see what happens there. Speaking of the A's, I, I saw this today, Sean. Um, all signs kind of really starting to indicate that they are probably going to move to Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And I saw this stat today, and it really, this also could have been Nuggie of the Week worthy. To this point, there have been 20 MLB games since 1990, with the paid attendance below 3,000, excluding the 2020 season with COVID, uh, the 2021 Blue Jay at this placement, and then the Little League Classic games, which they don't have the seating for that, you know, that many people. But so if you count for just normal MLB time in the last 33 years, 20 games below 3,000. 12 of those 20 have been in Oakland, and all have been since 2021. Wow. That's pretty crazy. So the takeaway from that, not that I even really fear this being an issue, but if you want the Brewers to stay, keep going to the games, you know, be vocal about it. If it comes down to it at some point in the future, write your legislator, write your senator, all that jazz. Um, Yeah, I do think it's kind of sucky that it would come down to public money like that when you have a billion billionaire owner, but. If it comes down to it, again, make it make your noise heard. I can't imagine what Oakland's going to be like losing their two biggest franchises in what a three-year span. Yeah, thereabouts. I mean, you still have still have the Warriors. Nice. They're technically in San Francisco now, aren't they? I don't know. I don't know what technically they're... Well, they don't play at the Oracle anymore. Yeah, so they might be San Francisco. I always forget Golden State was Oakland before. But I mean, to lose the Raiders and now lose the A's... Yeah, and the Chase Center... I mean, you essentially lost the Warriors because they moved... From the Oracle in Oakland to the Chase Center in San Francisco. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's not a, a huge jump. Oh, that's a terrible call. Sorry. <laughs> that was bad. Um, but yeah, I mean, you lost. You're essentially losing all three. That's twice. My goodness, this umpire is making a mockery of the strike zone 
on the top portion to this Willie Adamas at bat. Holy cow. I am wow. I, I I don't have words for that, Sean. How bad this is. Like this it's comical how bad this, this strike zone is right now. Oh, I bet. Wow. So it, it does end up working out. It was a three oh count, but Willie had to work for it. It was a three oh count and the ump called not one but two awful strikes that weren't even close to the zone. And Willie gets the walk, but my goodness, I oh, yikes! Um, where were we? With, oh yeah, Bruce. Um, so yeah, six and four in the last ten, as we kind of talked about at the uh, root four segment. Just kind of playing, you know, above five hundred ball, and that's where we are. It's May, right. You gotta hear that. It's kind of just that time of year where you gotta hang on and can't. You know, you're not necessarily gonna blow your season, but you can't. You can't get too far behind if that's the case. Right. And you you figure a lot of the teams in the central that already kind of had their bad part of the season, so it can only get better for a lot of them. You figure the Cardinals aren't gonna be this bad continuing at least so yeah you certainly would think that they would be but they've been just such an anomaly with their pitching i mean their pitching isn't super deep their bats haven't been an issue i mean we saw that the other night with an 18 to 1 win over the brewers but but yeah it's just been an odd season for them where if their pitching isn't coming out guns blazing, they're ice cold and they're going to lose a lot of games. Um, the Brewers have this really weird where if they get down in early, they can't claw out, but if they get ahead, if you know, if they go up one, nothing, it seems like they're winning most games. Right. That's what it seems like so far this year, at least. In so many of their games that they've won, I mean, again, they they lost the game eighteen to one the other night, and I'm just trying to find what their. I would love to know what their run differential at this point in the season is. Because I can't imagine that it's like you know it's. It's looks like it's still positive, but it can't be by much. Plus four, it looks like. Oof. Yeah, so without that 17 run difference the other night, they'd be plus 20, plus 21. Right. But that's the thing. I mean, for as many games, I mean, they've lost some ugly games. They've won some lopsided games. I mean, you look at that Dodgers series last week. You win the opener nine to three. You lose six to two, eight to one, and or six to two and eight to one in the following days. But then you get the Royals at home over the weekend. You win five to one, four to three, and six to nine. 
A lot of crooked numbers for the Brewers this season. Wait. Anyway, so, um, again, news in the Brewers' front. Brandon Woodruff expected to miss longer. He was placed in the 60-day DL, or IL, excuse me, earlier this week, um, kind of extending his stay and opening up a, a roster spot. The has been a, a flurry of moves made this week by the Brewers. Um, they did go ahead and grab Darren Ruff, first baseman, to fill in a gap for the in, now injured Luke Voigt, who has been underperforming. Amongst other roster moves, they have also DFA'd Gus Varlin, who was kind of on the roster as a Rule 5 pick, where they have to keep him on the roster all year. He was lights out through his first appearances of the season. He took a foul ball from Manny Machado off the dome. Uh, did not have an injury stint. He ended up having a strain in his arm. Came back after that and has not been the same, including in that 18-1 game. He gave up nine earned runs in the ninth inning. Or eighth inning, excuse me. That's a rough one. Yeah, it was It was rough to watch. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, also back in the fold, I think since the last time we talked, Tyrone Taylor is back on the big league roster, as is Adrian Hauser. So a couple guys returning from injury at that point. Um, Brewers have also acquired Trevor McGill from the Twins. So getting a bullpen spot opened up. Um, Colin Ray has been has been demoted back to AAA. Um, Eric Lauer has struggled throughout the year, but he had a great performance on Sunday. Freddie struggled so, to play, hasn't he? Um, actually, he's been one of the more consistent pitchers up until this weekend, or this that eighteen to one game, where he had six earned runs on his on his line. Yep. Yeah, I think so. But prior to that, he's been pretty good, actually. I think he's probably been the most consistent pitcher. Um, fan favorite and AAA all-star, Keston Hira, is going to miss several weeks due to a posterior cruciate ligament injury in his left knee. Uh, should not ex- require surgery, but the expectation is he'll be out for about the next month and a half. Um, he's out to he's hitting 331 in AAA, and his strip. I hate reading this. He has trimmed his strikeout rate to 24.6 of the time percent of the time he comes to a bat. Also, one in every four. Right. Um, which when he played for the Brewers last season, he bat 226, but had a staggering 41.7 strikeout rate. Yeah. So, I mean, the guy, I've, I mean, I've seen him play in the majors. I've seen him play in the minors. The guy, up till AAA, mashes the ball. And then just gets absolutely lost. Yeah, I don't know what major it, league level after 2019. Yeah, doesn't make sense. So, anyway, um, that's really about the extent of the news on the Brewers. Um Garrett Mitchell and Sal Frelick both had undergone surgery, as we already know. Um, really interesting to see what that puts some of the different Brewers position players should there be an injury. 
Um, especially now with the kind of the compounding Keston Hira injury where they don't really have a, you know, go-to bat in the minors. We've seen, trying to think of who that was a couple, couple weeks back. We saw an outfielder come up at one point um, on the 40-man roster. Just trying to look at who else the Brewers have for options. Abraham Toro as an infielder. I believe he's actually on the injured list right now from what that asterisk would indicate. No, he's not. So um, he used an option. Uh, Blake Perkins is who was up earlier this season playing in the outfield. But really, that's about the extent of your bats right now that are not on the active roster that are on the 40-man, Sean. Yeah. So... Kind of a tricky time to be in the Brewers organization. Um, at some point, Luis Urias is probably going to come back. Uh, I've not really heard much on his return. So we kind of wait and see with him. Might be a, might be a year that Brewers make some trades and see what happens, I guess. Right. I mean... We saw that they had to go and get uh, Darren Ruff actually earlier this week because they needed a bat in the lineup to fill in for Luke Voigt. And we know that Darren Ruff can mash on lefties. He has for a career. So there's been – they've had to go get guys. Um, Owen Miller has stepped up and played incredible since being – becoming, I guess, kind of an everyday player, really. As of the last week or so here, um, hitting, I, technically, I don't think he leads for statistically because I don't think he's in enough at bats, but um, definitely leading the way for the team. Christian Yelich leading the team for average right now at 258. Um, also around that same mark, Rodney Tillett's 252, William Contreras 250, Brandon Anderson at 243, William Adams 213, and Joey Weimer at 205. Uh, Roddy Telez leading the home run total. He's got 10. Yelich and Adamas tied at 7. Anderson at 6. Mike Brasso, Joey Weaver both at 4. Uh, William Contreras, Garrett Mitchell both at or and Bryce trying at 3. Victor Caratini at 2. Owen Miller and Tyrone Taylor at 1. And William Adamas leading the RBI train with 24. Telez, Yelich have 23. Anderson with 22. Um, and that's a pretty steep jump. Then it's Joe Weimer, 13, uh, Jesse Winker, 13, Bryce Trang, 12, Contreras, 11, Brasso, 8, Miller, 7, Caratini, 6, as well as Mitchell, Voigt, 4, and Taylor at 3. So that is your current status of the Brewers offensively. Um, William Contreras and Christian Yelich, I mean, I know that the average, and Roddy Telez for that matter, the averages aren't necessarily what you would want them to be, per se. You know, they're hovering around 260, 250, which in today's game is pretty good, all things considered. But the on-base percentage of these three guys, really these, including Brian Anderson there too, and not, I don't think this is counting tonight, but uh, Contreras is on base, 348. Yelich 341, Telez 340, Brian Anderson 333. 
You'll take that. So at least they're getting a, they're getting walks and using the they're taking the starters out of the game at least. Right. So that is our Brewers look. I'm staying in the city of Milwaukee because we've gone Bucks, we've gone Brewers. Go look at the Milwaukee Admirals as they are in the oh they are they've moved on to the next round of playoffs. I don't even know what this round is called, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but they are taking on the Texas Stars, which is a affiliate of the Dallas Stars. This is the division finals for that this round. Game three taking place as we speak. The Milwaukee Admirals are up one to nothing. Early on in this game, uh, as after an Isaac Ratcliffe goal at fifteen or fourteen minutes thirty seconds into the first heck, uh, period, so for those of you not knowing hockey scoring, that's five minutes thirty seconds left in the first period. Um, Ratcliffe gets a goal and it's a one nothing lead. I believe this round is still best of five. They are currently tied at one to one. So that will be going, that will be staying in Texas. So the AHL playoffs are kind of weird on how they break it down. Um, I'm believing Texas has the the higher seed or better seed because they get home ice for three games instead of the two. But Milwaukee was home first. So I don't I don't really get how that takes place. If somebody out there, if one of our listeners out there knows how that goes down, by all means, let me know. I, yeah, I it's it. hockey. <laughs> um, also, just while we're in the city of Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Milkmen are back in, in action tonight, Sean, starting tonight. Or actually, I believe as of yesterday. Uh, they are part of the American Association of Professional Baseball, which is a partner league of Major League Baseball. They play in Franklin, Wisconsin. One of, I believe, two teams in that league. The This is the same league that the uh, Savannah Bananas used to be in prior to going full-time just being an entertainment league, but they also are going to be coming to Milwaukee in September. But yes, uh, there are two teams in the American Association of Professional Baseball, a partner league of Major League Baseball. Uh, the Milwaukee Milkmen have some notable alumni, including former Brewers farmhand Tim Dillard, we all know very well. So he's probably the most notable former milkman. But they have been playing in this league from 2019 onward, or 2018. They are a one-time league champion. And let's just take a look to see who else is in this. Uh, the other team in Wisconsin is the Lake County Dockhounds. They play in Oconomowoc. Some of the other teams in this league, uh, one that Wisconsin baseball fans would be familiar with, the organization as a whole, former Midwest League team, the Kane County Cougars. 
used to play in the same uh, division as the Timber Outlers. Um, also, there's the Chicago Dogs, the Cleburne Railroaders, the Gary South Shore Railcats, the Lake County Dockhounds, which again uh, play in Oconomowoc, the Fargo Moorhead Redhawks, the Kansas City Monarchs, which I think is kind of a cool shout out. Uh, the Lincoln Salt Dogs, the, South, the Sioux City Explorers, Sioux Falls Canaries, and the Winnipeg Gold Eyes. Hmm. So baseball back down south of or in the southern part of Wisconsin. Um, as we talked about two weeks ago, the Northwoods League prepping up for their start of their season. I believe they start uh, Memorial Day weekend or just after Memorial Day. Uh, which, by the way, I saw this as well today. The Northwoods League, which is the league that the Green Bay Rockers and the different Wisconsin teams are all in that Madison Mallards, uh, Fond, or the Fond du Lac, Doc Spiders, all those, um, is now launching a summer softball league. Nice. Coming up. Um, no word... On the teams that'll be playing on that, or if it all, if it'll be the same cities, or you know what the full details of that are, but they are going to be play or having a Northwoods League um, softball league as well coming up, I believe, starting next year. Interesting, real interesting. Yeah, and you know, I would really. I would really put pressure on Green Bay to host or to get a team in that league because Green Bay has two wonderful facilities between St. Norbert's College Campus uh, or off-campus Diamond as well as UW-Green Bay's. Mm -hmm. They both have turf fields. Um, I believe the where the Tim Rattlers play can also be converted to a softball field if need be. Well, yeah, they do it for the charity softball game what charity softball game the donald driver one that's at that's at fox cities you said it was at the you just said the timber Rattler stadium oh i'm i meant uh where the rockers play oh my bad that's what confused me there yeah my bad my bad um but I, I believe that they can turn that into a a softball field if need be. I could be wrong on that. I wouldn't see why they wouldn't be able to. I mean, that's kind of the beauty of a turf field, right? Right. You should be able to. I mean, even if, even if you just put up a fence for the games, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. Right. It still looks nice. It's still you can still get people in there and you're using it a little bit more often. Oh, exactly. Um, to this point, I don't believe that they have announced the cities for those, that, that league. Um, they have not. Mm. So, but again, I would put pressure on green Bay to make a run for one of those teams. Especially, I mean, you have had traditionally pretty decent college softball. Because it's going to be another college all-star summer league. Right. Much like how the, the Northwoods League is. Um, 
for the men's side. So I would, again, like I said, I would make a push to make Green Bay one of the hosts. Yeah, that'd be fun to go watch. <clears throat> so, all in all, that is our look at the Milwaukee sports. Uh, with that, Sean, we can take a quick peek in Appleton with the Timber Rattlers. Uh, Tim Rattlers did take a loss today to the Quad Cities River Bandits. A nine to five loss today. Uh, the Tim Rattlers fall to eleven and twenty three on the season. Falling, I would say well short of some of the expectations coming into this team early this season. But you know, it's it's just kind of one of those years where. The offense this season hasn't been there a whole lot. Um, the Timber Rattlers are three and seven in their last ten, minus thirty nine run differential. Wow! And just some games that have gotten away from them at times. Um, they did get a win last week. They broke a nine game losing streak last Thursday. Oof! Oof! Da. So. It, it has been rough for the Timber Rattlers, but really, all in all, I mean, just kind of fun. It's still fun to go to and um, upgrades on the see some of the top talents. They just called up another prospect to join the Timber Rattlers, catcher Matt Wood. So the- he's just called up from uh, Carolina. Uh, Tim Rattlers do have a number, and this is where I was going with this, uh, a number of the top 30 prospects for the Brewers organization. Uh, They obviously no longer have number two prospect in all of baseball, Jackson Chorio, who is currently with Biloxi. He homered again last night, by the way. But they do have a, a handful of the top 30 in the organization. Um, most notably, I'm assuming they're going to get to, uh, number four prospect in the organization, Jacob Mizorowski, at some point here. Um, he is currently in high or in low A. Currently, they do have Eric Brown Jr., who's the sixth-ranked prospect in the organization, shortstop. He's pretty exciting to watch. Um, the average, not quite there yet with him. But kind of figuring out this season, you know, you've seen the defense be there. You've seen why he is a top 10 prospect in the organization. Um, Kind of also going through here, looking at the rest of the top 10. You have another infielder, Robert Moore. He's the eighth-ranked prospect. He's still in uh, IA. Draft pick from last year's draft as well. Also... Hendry Menendez, he's the 13th ranked prospect. He just got called up recently. I believe he was a week or two ago he got called up. Eduardo Garcia, the 19th ranked prospect, first baseman, also plays short, some shortstop and some infield. Also kind of looking through, um, as mentioned, Matt Wood who just got called up today, actually. He's the 25th-ranked prospect in the organization at catcher. 
Uh, Joseph Hernandez, 26th ranked, is a right-handed pitcher. And then rounding out the top 30, that would be a side, That would be the last person in the top 30. But that's still what I said: five or six different guys. Yeah, that are all in that top 30. So again, be sure to check them out while they're here. It's a cheaper alternative route to having to go down to Milwaukee and a little. You know, it's a lot. Just coming. It's a it's a great venue for baseball. I love Fox City Stadium personally. So that is our Tim Rattlers breakdown. As mentioned, the Rockers have not started their season yet, so nothing to really focus on. Um, high school sports have, I believe, girls softball is going to regionals, I believe, either later this week or early next which is insane that we're already here considering we had snow on the ground two weeks ago. Yeah, that's for sure. So that already set, I believe seating might've came out for that last week already. Baseball, probably not too far behind on that either. Oh, I wouldn't think they would be. <clears throat> which takes us back to green Bay, Sean with the green Bay blizzard first they got a high scoring tough fought win over the weekend and this weekend they had played let me make sure i get this right uh they go to three and four on the year after a high scoring 61 to 50 win over the san diego strike force wow so a big win for them at home. Uh, they are currently on a three-game homestand. They had lost a heartbreaker last week, 49-50 to to the Massachusetts Pirates. They'll have the, they had the San Diego Strike Force last week. And then coming up on Saturday, possibility of Jake Kumaro being back in town with the Iowa Barnstormers as his brother plays for them. And... Um, his former college teammate is the offensive coordinator for the Barnstormers. So tickets available for that Saturday, May 20th, 7 p.m. kickoff at the Rush. Try nice. to take a look to see if there's any sort of giveaways or promos. Um, looks like this is the 20th season specialty. So... I'm not sure if there's any sort of giveaway with that. I'm trying to look at that as I speak here. But if you haven't gotten to a game for them, it's really kind of a cool thing that they do. Um, I know we've talked about them and how fast it is and how it how different it is. But really cannot say enough. Also, it's a bud night. Oh, nice. So I believe that'll go to uh I believe that usually makes two dollar beers. Yep. And then they're also giving away two hundred two thousand and three Dunkin' Donuts in specialty of their um founding in two thousand three. Like certificates for Dunkin' Donuts or just donuts? I think just donuts, but I'm not sure on that. Huh. So just one donut. 
Right. Well, that's why you got to bring your friends and take, you know, bring maybe someone who's diabetic or something. Okay. That was a little far. That's the line? That's the line. You're talking about cougars early in the show? You took it wrong. You took it wrong way. (laughs) You literally said not women. Yes, because the look on your face. This is an audio format. Nobody can see the look on my face. I can. That's all that matters. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, Sean. That leads us to the Green Bay Packers. And not a whole lot of news in terms of the team itself or the structure of the team as we speak. However, the schedule was released last week. And I think it'd be fun here just to kind of go through a way too early prediction of this coming season. So with that, and kind of talking about the games as we go along, the Packers will open up the season September 10th in Chicago. Will Jordan Love continue the Packers' ownership? Of the Chicago Bears, or will Chicago steer towards coming back towards bringing things even? You ask me. Yeah, i I think <coughs> I think they beat Chicago first week. All right, I would probably agree with you as of right now. Um, nothing indicates that they should lose that. Um, really, I think an interesting, you know, when the schedule came out last week, like I said, we're going to go through this a little bit, you know, as we can continue going here, but really impressive, like how this really could line up for keeping in mind that the over under on win total is seven and a half. Really interesting on how this kind of shakes out. Right. Uh, week two traveling to Atlanta for a noon kick. And that one I could really see going either way. I don't really have a prediction as of today. I could see that being a win. I could see that being a loss. I, I feel like Atlanta's too young that I feel like they they should be able to go down there and get a win. Yeah, I think so too. Atlanta's cool. It's just weird, you know, the whole the concept that you could be 2-0 before your home opener. If you would have told me that that would be the case post Aaron, the first year post Aaron Rodgers, I think a lot of Packer fans would be more than happy. Right. And that's a very realistic pot. Like that's a very realistic possibility. Yeah, total, totally is hundred percent is. Week three, you come home, home opener, September 24th at home, taking on the new Orleans saints. Yeah, I think I think they lose to the Saints. That is going to be a tough one. I'm yep. very upfront on that one. Um, just because the Saints, you never really know. That whole division is going to be odd this year. Are they still? They're still rolling with Jameis, aren't they? No, they signed Derek Carr. Well, oh, that's right. And he does have Chris Olave. They still have Michael Thomas. Yep. That could be a tough one. 
Alvin Kamara. Yeah, well, assuming he doesn't get suspended yet. Ah, uh, true. But we said that last year too, and right here we are. So that is a tough one. Um, leading up to the Week Four matchup, another tough one. Thursday night football in a short week. Detroit Lions come to town. And honestly, I'm thinking Detroit's probably going to take this one. Yeah, more than likely. So that, that one is a tough one. Like I said, especially in a short week. That New Orleans game really could go either way. I mean, really, any of these first three games, I guess, could probably go either way. Yeah. Um, this is the first one where I really feel firmly like it's going to be stacked against them. Um, you know, maybe maybe Detroit comes out and them being the odds-on favorite instead of being the underdog is a tough adjustment for them. You know, too many eyeballs on them. Maybe they struggle. I you know I would anticipate that. You know, they're still the they're the betting favorite for a reason. But that should be a, an an odd one to watch. Takes us to week five, Sean. Uh, back on the road for Monday Night Football, so you kind of get a even longer mini-buy. Taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Week five. Um, coming off of a t- possibility two tough home losses, I could see that one going either way. Uh, really just is going to depend on the health of Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. Uh, keeping in mind that he is back in the Josh McDaniels offense, which is where he really succeeded in his first stint with the Patriots and really kind of made a name for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but not a very deep team in the Raiders. So if he were to go down or if, you know, really if Devante were to get hurt or something like that, they, they don't have a whole lot of depth at their skill positions. Do they still, they still have Josh Jacobs or did he go somewhere else? You know, I was just about to ask you that. So I'm glad you asked me. I believe that he is still there. Yes, he is still there. I believe he's on the franchise tag. That's yeah, because I thought he was a free agent or to be free agent, something like that. I believe you are correct in that. I'm just trying to confirm that. Um, so yeah, he also has an act for kind of getting an early season injury. Yes, mm-hmm. he is franchise tagged as of March sixth. Okay. To, yeah. to this point, I don't believe that he signed a long term extension. So always a possibility he could be sitting out. They no longer have Darren Waller either. After he got traded prior to the draft. So that could be another, again, you kind of lose some talent there as well. Takes you to your week six bye, which I don't love that it's that early. I mean, late season one this last year, so. I've always been a fan of the late season. Well, let me rephrase that. If you have a team that you expect to go to the playoffs, I like the late season by. This could be a very good come back down, calm down situation. Mm-hmm. It could be. I mean, let's let's just say for a second here. I'm not <clears throat> by any means predicting this. 
Although it would be really cool, you know, kind of cool to come back in a few months and say, hey, look at this. Um, but let's just say at that point you're 5-0. and oh. That is the worst possible scenario, I think, to have a bye at that point. Yeah, probably. <coughs> Again, I'm not anticipating that being the case. I think at best they're 4-2. and two. Maybe, or 4-1. and one. Um, More likely 3-2 and two or 2-3. Two and three. Yep. But come off the bye, back on the road, going to Denver. That's another tricky one. Um, in terms of predicting, I could see that one going either way. <coughs> really depends on which version of Russ you get this year. And if it was really Nathaniel Hackett that was holding them back, or if Russ is kind of washed. I feel I feel like Sean Payton's going to get the best out of out of pretty much everybody on that roster. See, I do too. But the thing I worry about with Sean Payton, it, with Russell Wilson, is they are a lot of the same guy, and if they don't mesh super well. You're going to be in an interesting spot as an organization. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not like, wrong. That could go very, very south very, very quickly. <clears throat> All right. Week eight. Back at Lambeau, October 29th, hosting the Vikings. And we keep saying this, but. The Vi- this is another one of those games where I really don't know what to expect. I don't know what the Vikings are going to be this year. Um, offensively, they they still have Justin Jefferson. They still have, as of right now, Dalvin Cook. You know, the, I, worst case scenario, if they do end up moving him, they would have Alexander Madison, who's been a very proven number two. I feel like so, they're going to cut Delvin Cook, though, aren't they? That's what everything's kind of... He would likely be a post-June 1st cut. Right. But as of right now, um, the reports came out earlier this week that they're open to working with him on a different extension and mm-hmm. working on you know passing some of the money and renegotiating. So not impossible by any stretch of the imagination. But... Likely figure he's gone. You lose Adam Thielen, but you gain Jordan Addison in the draft. Kind of an unproven rookie receiver. Um, did they, they trade Zadarius this last they week? They did. That's for the next. The defense proves once again just to be aging wonders. And they did go ahead and trade Zadarius Smith earlier this week, as, or late last weekend. Um, for, I believe, three different draft picks was the outcome. Yeah, I think something like that. So that game I could very much see coming off of the early bye, coming off of West Coast Road Trip. That's very much a get-right game. Um, At Lambeau, the Vikings don't usually perform very well. Granted, that game's generally been in January the last couple years. And it's probably, if I'm guessing, um, granted that's Halloween weekend, but 
generally speaking, I mean, it's probably going to be about a 20 to 30 degree difference from what it usually is that time when the uh, Vikings usually play at Lambeau. So we'll see. Um, yep. I don't think the weather has that much of an input on that. Although, if you remember last year, the Vikings were, like, all the social media was complaining about the the field at Lambeau and that it was watered down and only the Packers knew about it. So we'll see what the excuse is this year if that were to come true. Yeah, exactly. All right, week nine. Staying home, got a noon kick against the Rams. I feel like that should be a win, even with Matt Stafford back at the, in the helm. Um, just for the reason that I don't, I can't think of another offensive player aside from Cooper Cup that the Rams still have. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I mean, if he's playing, there's always a chance that he goes off and scores two or three touchdowns, and you lose that game. But it's not something I'd bet on. Yeah. So, Rams come to town. I'm, I wish I was probably been keeping track of what I thought, but um, I think that I would think put us at it. probably five and four, according to my math. No, you got five, five and three. Okay. I think something like that. We're probably somewhere around there. Four and four. Yeah. Uh, week ten out to Pittsburgh. Uh, on a noon kick, September, or November 12th. This is another one of those words. I could very much talk myself into a win without, you know, again, without having seen this team play. Just because I think the offensive weapons the Packers would have at their disposal, I think, are better than what the Steelers have. I mean, George Pickens is great. But the combination of Dobbs, Jones, and Christian Watson, I think, are better. Um, you know, do you? It's it, really it's do you trust Kenny Pickett or Jordan Love more? And I really don't have an answer for that. And that's not a great spot to be in. Right. That's pretty much what it comes down to. I mean, the defenses are going to be probably towards like that fifteen to ten range, unless. Somehow Joe Barry reinvents the wheel, and I mean he got. I don't know if you saw his press conference or heard anything from his press conference the other day, Sean, but he got kind of snippy. Did he? Yeah he he was asked if he was gonna be if he thought he was gonna be back this season and this that and the other thing, and it just was not. He had a lot to say where he really didn't say much, if you know what I mean. Interesting. All right, week eleven. The Packers back in Lambeau playing host to a West Coast team being Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going to probably go ahead and chalk this one up as a loss right now. Yeah, I'm thinking the same thing. I mean, there's always the age old, any given Sunday, blah, blah, blah. But unless Jordan Love has a phenomenal year, which I'm not ruling out completely, I give the nod to Justin Herbert in that. Um, obviously we don't know if Austin Eckler is going to be back on the team, but if he is, we know how the Packers defense handles the run, especially with a dynamic running back. Don't love those odds. Right. And you still got Mike Williams and. Uh, right. Who's Keenan Allen. 
I forget he's still playing. Mm-hmm. Until fantasy football time, I forget that he's playing, and it's only when he when I play against him, and he has like the you know the the one, like two hundred yard game or whatever, because you could watch him all season, and he'll have like a, you know, a three catch, twenty four yard game or something like that, and then the week that he plays you, he's got like ten for, one hundred and fifteen and two scores or something like that. Right, that's usually how it always works. All right, week 12, Thanksgiving Day in Detroit. I don't love that matchup, Sean. Nope, not at all. I do find it odd that the schedulers, you play a team twice on Thursday. I know that you know Thanksgiving is a little bit different. Mm. Um, I think that's a great TV matchup for ratings-wise. I think you're always going to have Packer fans watching. Lions fans always come out for Thanksgiving Day. You have two young teams. If the Packers, I mean, with how the schedule lays out, I mean, even if they're, you know, at this point, they'd have 10 games played. So, you know, you're looking at a possible five and five, you know, six and four, four and six, you know, kind of hovering around that contention window. It's a very TV worthy matchup. I feel worse about this one than I do the home game because the home game I could kind of see, you know, if you if let's just say you're potentially three and zero or two and zero, whatever it would be at that point. Yeah, you could potentially be three and zero or two and one at that point, and you're at home for Thursday night football. I could see that going very well at that point. Not necessarily do I predict it, but I could see it. This one has trouble written all over it. Now, see, I'm the opposite way, where I can't see him winning in Lambeau, but I can see him winning in Detroit. Really? Mm. I don't know why. That sure is an interesting take, especially, I think, I could very much foresee that game being, you know, Detroit kind of making their playoff push and all that, as they potentially could be leading the North at that point. Um, I hope you're right for the sake because this could be potentially four straight losses because the week after that, coming off that quote-unquote another mini-buy, you've got Sunday Night Football at Lambeau hosting the defending, reigning Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, that's going to be a loss. And uh, barring injury, I agree with you. <laughs> if Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes are playing in that game, I do not foresee it ending well for Green Bay. No, not at all. Again, any given Sunday, but I thought you were going Jordan Love was hurt. They they'd have the Packers would have a chance. Not not if Patrick Mahomes was hurt. Sean Clifford running around or Danny Etling? Hell yeah. Well, so is this new thing going to happen now? i seen Carson Wentz might sign to be the backup. I I don't know. I, I've heard every name in the quarterback market could potentially be an option depending on which website you're looking at on what day. I mean, I know we talked with Mason about Carson Wentz and we talked about Matt Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. 
All I'm going to say at this point is, in his media availability, I believe it was last week, Matt LaFleur said they're committed to the two guys in the building right now, Danny Etling and uh, Sean Clifford, the rookie out of Penn State. So before exploring a veteran option, they're going to look at these guys long and hard. Okay. That was just my question. I seen that today, and I was kind of curious. Week 14, this is where it gets a little, again, a little dicey. Uh, you travel out to the Meadowlands, Monday Night Football against the Giants. Um, this one I could see being a potential slump buster. You know, depending on where you were at before that Week 11 game against the Chargers. Kind of looking at, you know, the writing on the wall saying, hey, we got to go get this one. Um, if you have any aspirations for postseason or whatever. Also, I don't know how good the Giants are going to be. I think last year was a little bit of a mirage. They don't. I don't believe in Daniel Jones whatsoever. No. And quite frankly, I don't necessarily say I believe in, in Saquon Barkley staying healthy for a full season again. And that's that's nothing against Saquon. That's just the nature of the position. Right. Um. Again, I'll. I remember the London game. I mean, through three quarters, you were looking good, and then it fell apart so fast. But I think the team that we saw in the first half of that game is a lot closer to what they actually were. Yeah, but this is also a team that went out and got a playoff win last year. So who knows? Again, they played a fraudulent Vikings team and got a playoff win, but it's a playoff win nevertheless. Right. All right. Uh, week 15, back at home, Sunday noon kick. Baker Mayfield coming to Lambeau for the third straight season in December. Uh, hosting, well, God knows if he'll be quarterback at that point, but I'm assuming he will be. Hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Talk about two franchises going through quarterback, just night and day differences um, with Tom Brady officially retiring and Aaron Rodgers being now a member of the Jets. Very polarizing um, positions of their quarterback group from where they were this time last year. So a lot of uncertainty down in Tampa Bay. Um Really, that again, that division, they could be in a position. They, they do have an immense amount of talent where they could be in position to make another run for it, at least for the division anyway. Not saying a Super Bowl run, but um, I'd be led to believe that they're the betting favorite in that division, or at least one of two. Yeah, probably. I would say so. They don't believe in the Panthers. I don't believe in the Falcons. Maybe the Saints. Yeah, I would say the Saints would probably – the odds-on favorite. Um, right now, your NFC South. The Saints are actually the the betting favorite. The Buccaneers are the longest odds right now, mm. and plus five ninety-five. So maybe I'm way off on that. But <clears throat> you're going to tell me that a team with Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, right, is going to be a long shot? I'm not buying it. Yeah. I mean, 
The Panthers are plus 270, and yeah, they had the number one draft pick because they traded up, but they were still a top 10 team last year in the draft. Like, they were not that good. Great. The Falcons are plus 340, so I guess they're third, which is, I would say that's right. Yeah, I feel like they could be sneaky this year. Atlanta? Yeah. Oh, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I just, I don't buy the Saints being that much of a disparaging, like, favorite. Whereas the Bucks are plus 595. I also don't buy the Packers being the longest odds in the NFC North either. Really? Yeah, the Lions plus 120, the Vikings plus 330, the Bears plus 350, and the Packers are plus 400. So it's close. But I'm not buying that. Hmm. Um, the Giant, the NFC East, I, so I know that we're not quite done with the schedule yet, but just kind of looking at this um, while we're here, the Giants are plus 550 in their division. Um, it goes Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, Commanders. If you want to go throw some money in the Commanders, they're plus nine hundred. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think the or I think the Eagles are just going to walk away with that division. So, um, in the NFC, the only team that has minus money on their their division odds, the San Francisco 49ers are minus one seventy six. The Seahawks are plus 255. The Rams are plus 600. And get this, Sean. The longest odds for the NFC for a division title, the Arizona Cardinals at plus 2380. Well, they don't have Kyler, so. Right. Um, yeah, that, that really doesn't surprise me at all. <laughs> no, it's just I, I'm so far... That is the longest odds to win a division across yeah. the whole NFL. Your next longest, by the way, the Raiders to win the AFC West at plus 1,100. And then the AFC, even the Texans aren't that far off. The Texans are plus 795 to win their division in the AFC South. Yeah, but that division is so terrible. The Jaguars are minus 152, so even better odds than um, the Niners. The Chiefs also had a minus money on their division. And for those keeping track at home, the Aaron Rodgers-led New York Jets are plus 240 to win the division, their second favorite in the AFC East. Yeah. Um, so back to the Packers. Week 16, hosting the Carolina Panthers, or traveling the Carolina Panthers, Christmas Eve day, um, 12 o'clock kick in Carolina. I foresee that being a win. I hope so. Uh, week 17, New Year's Eve day, 720 kick. As of right now, obviously, flex scheduling is in, in effect at that point. You're traveling to Minnesota for the Vikings. Late season Vikings games are always a toss up. Um, in Minnesota, though, that hasn't been necessarily the the formula the last few years. 
that game's been in Lambo a lot, but same time frame. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say whoever wins the fall matchup doesn't win this one. Yeah, I would say so. so. They'll probably split that one, and then week 18, you've got Bears at home to end the season. Who the hell knows it's gonna be up at that point for playoff standings for draft picks for whatever. Um, just kind of going through this, Sean, I'm going to ask you, and I, I think I know the answer, but I'm curious on your opinion of this. Are the Packers closer to a playoff team or number one draft pick? I think they're going to be closer to a playoff team than they're going to be to a number one pick. Okay, let me let me ask this. Closer to Super Bowl or number one pick? Probably closer to the number one pick than the Super Bowl. I would probably agree with that. Um, aside from because of how wide open the schedule is, right. because of how wide open the NFC is as a whole, aside from San Fran, which I don't even think anybody knows who's playing quarterback this year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In week one, let alone weeks two through 18. And I don't I think the Eagles are going to be back in, in the fold of things, too. But all that considered, I mean, we really don't have an, an overarching favorite in the NFC. Probably those two. And that's that's about it. I mean, statistic or betting speaking, Packers are plus 200 to make the playoffs, minus 250 to say no. Which... All things considered, pretty even. Right. I mean, that's not that's not great odds. That's not terrible odds, one way or the other. I mean, that's. I mean, the Detroit Lions, who are the favorite to win the NFC North, they're minus one seventy six to make it, plus one forty to say no. But that's not like a great barrier, you know. Um, like for the record. The Cardinals, as we had just talked about, the longest odds to win their own division, just to make the playoffs, are plus uh, eleven ten, plus one thousand one hundred ten dollars. So if you bet a dollar, you're running a hundred eleven. Whereas to say no, they are minus three 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 four, <laughs> which for a one dollar bet gets you three cents profit. So you'd walk away with a dollar and three cents. Get your dollar back plus three cents. Yeah, that that just wouldn't work. <laughs> um, Packers overall win total, as I mentioned right now, is over under seven and a half. That actually even money at minus one twelve. So I think that says the odds makers are saying they're going to be about seven and ten or eight and nine, nine and eight, somewhere in there. That's what I'm thinking is I'm thinking the nine and eight mark is where it's going to be. So let me ask you this, Sean, for a team that is not, you're coming off, off of one of, you know, really two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, two Super Bowl championships in those 30 some odd years of being together, all that jazz. 
Right now, you are plus 5,000, or excuse me, yes, plus 5,000 win a championship. Last year, you kind of pooped the metaphorical bed, finishing third in the division um, at seven or at eight and nine, missed the playoffs for the first time in, in the four years of Matt LaFleur um, and everything that kind of goes along with that. Or first time in four years or the, in the fifth year with Matt LaFleur. You missed out with Aaron Rodgers, and you know you're kind of your final push for some of these these veterans. You know your Bakhtiari, your Adrian Amos, Mason Crosby, etc. You go eight and nine. Is eight and nine with Jordan Love a successful season or a failure? Or I feel like it'd be a successful season. Not gonna lie. Because it's still better than Rodgers' first year at the helm. Because what right, they go that was six and ten, so seven and eleven, or or no, uh, seven and ten, or six and eleven. Yeah, something like that. So I feel like that's a successful year. Because you figure it's still going to be third in the division, and. My hot take for this year is I think they're going to be right around the same record as the Jets. I think the Jets are going to be right around the same 9-8 and eight record. So just for, for conversation's sake, um, Packers, like I said, they were minus 200 to make the playoffs. If I'm not, yeah, minus 250. Um, or plus 200 to make the playoffs, minus 250 to not make the playoffs. The Jets are minus 162 to make the playoffs, plus 130 to not win, make the playoffs. Their win total on the year over under nine and a half. Yeah. Which would put them about 10 and seven or nine and eight. Yeah, I feel I feel like that's going to be, that's a little high. I don't think they're going to be that good, especially in that division, in that conference. If if the Jets were in the NFC, I would have a totally different um, perspective on it. But the AFC stacked, so I just feel like it's gonna. I I'm just thinking it's they're not even gonna make double digit wins. Their schedule, just while we're looking at this, their schedule is an interesting one. They've got Week One Monday Night Football. At home against the Bills. Now, that's worth mentioning, obviously, A, because it's worth against the Bills, but Monday Night Football on September 11th in New York. <laughs> That'll be a cool game just visually. Like, right. Um, so you've got the Bills, the Cowboys. You could realistically start 0-2. I mean, they are the underdog in both those games as of right now. Yep. Um... You come home to play the Jets or to play the Patriots. Then you've got the Chiefs. Yeah, you could realistically be one and three a quarter of the way through the season. Yep. You face the Broncos. Uh, they're one point favorite in that one, according to ESPN right now. Um, then you got the Eagles, which that's another tough assignment. Yep. Then you've got the Crosstown and the Giants. You're a favorite in that one. But you're through October, so you're two months into the season. 
You might be what two and three four? and three and four, I think. Two and four. Three and four, yeah. And then you've got the Chargers, which as of right now they're a favorite. You've got the Raiders, which they're a favorite. On the road against the Bills, which good thing that's out of the way November nineteenth. Don't have to play them again, potentially to the playoffs. You've got to play the Dolphins, the Falcons, the Texans, which those are two winnable games. In Miami in December, which Aaron Rodgers has traditionally not played very well. And the Jets, for that matter, as a franchise, have not played well in Miami in December. Washington, Cleveland, and New Orleans. Or, excuse me, New England. Yeah. That's a tough schedule. Yeah, so I'm right around 9 and 8. Just just going quick there like you were. Because you figure... you. I'm thinking they're going to split with Miami. Yep. I think they're going to lose both to the Bills. I'd probably agree with you on that. Maybe they may split just with that home crowd on Monday Night Football Week 1. Right. But the Chiefs more than likely is going to be a loss. Philly's going to be a loss. I'm thinking they'll probably split with New England because it's just Belichick. Sure. So, so in your own division, you're at best three and three or four and two. Right. That's a tough ask. And then you got the Chiefs, the Cowboys, which are very Losable games for them. Yep. The Giants could be a 50-50. I mean. Yeah, that's, that's a tough. That's a tough schedule. Because I, I seen one one mock where they said the Jets were gonna have we're gonna go 14 and 3 this year. And I'm what? like, that had to be a Jets fan that made that. Because 14 and 3 would be It'd be kind of insane. I mean, it would be impressive. I would not. I can't see them only losing three games. Right. Because, yeah. I mean, even if you split, if you split with Buffalo, which you've got to figure is going to happen. You, you want to win at home. You You hope to win at home. Mm-hmm. If you split with Miami, which could go either way. Right. I mean, you might you might be able to sweep that, but you never know. And then you got the Chiefs. And then and you've the... got the Chiefs and the Eagles in there, too. And the Cowboys. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't. I'm thinking they're going to be right around 500. The 9-8, eight, 8-9. Eight, somewhere right around there. Sounds like a plan to me. It sounds about right. All right, Sean, let's wrap this thing up. Um, <clears throat> real quick, what are you rooting for in the upcoming week? Um, the weather finally starting to get nice again. Solid. That's where I'm going to go. Solid. Um, I really don't have much. Yeah, I guess I'm just going to continue... You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw my hat into the Admirals. Um, would love to see them continue on. 
Um, ever since we got a request to talk about them a couple weeks back, been following them a little bit more than I ever have. Um, last update we have here at 49 minutes ago, they went up two to one with about halfway through the second period. So I'm assuming they're probably done with that. Nice. Um, so they do have a lead as far as I know. I'm just trying to check Twitter to see if any other updates are out there. They are current as of 16 minutes ago, they are trailing three to two. Oh, that sucks. Wait to be the, the third period. Um, I'm also going to throw my hat onto the Wisconsin Timber Outlers, who, yes, they're having a rough year, but I will be in the radio booth producing their game Sunday. So, very exciting to be a part of that. Getting another producer credit on my, my resume. So that's my other root for for the weekend. Um, real quick, Sean, you got a bar of the week that we haven't covered yet. I really probably should have kept better track of these as we went along the way, but. No. I don't really have anything right off the top of my head here. Have we done Club 32? Yes. Um. Yeah, I got nothing else. We're going to do Club 32 again, just because I like them. <laughs> and might go there on Friday night for a late Mother's Day uh, dinner. Uh, Club 32 and Gillette, some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life. Uh, 4.6 stars on Google. Pizza's incredible. Fish is incredible. Um, awesome staff. Good drink, drink prices. Kind of the general stuff that we always kind of talk about, but... I'm always going to throw their pizza over more than anything. Their pizza is incredible. Mm-hmm. So, yep. It's always good. That's our bar of the week. That's our root for Anything else you got, Sean, for this week? Don't think I got anything. All right. For Shauna, Justin Ramsey, now here this week, I'm Eric. That's Sean. Episode 114 is in the books. Follow along with us on social media. See what we're always doing because we've always got something going on in the world of Wisconsin. We're out. See ya. Yeah.